morning. Uh, this morning's reading is from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, like we found in the Church Bibles on page 1042. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, pages 1042 of the Church Bible. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary had chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. It is so good to be in church this morning. It's so good to see you all. It's so good to be with the Lord's people. It's so good that we get to hear from God's word. I'm really excited about what he has to say to us this morning. Um, it's great to see some new people here. If uh, you're wondering what this whole curtainy vibe is here, that's for the play later. It's not sort of a, a temple thing or a VIP section or anything like that. How are you? Are you busy? Yes. Uh, maybe you've had the grandkids round for a couple of days. Maybe... The house renovation is really filling your mind at the moment. Maybe you're working 80-hour weeks. I wouldn't know about that because ministers only work on a Sunday. <laughs> and we love telling each other how busy we are. It can get weirdly competitive sometimes. Um, we're in this kind of competition. Who can show who's got the most on their plate? But apart from this kind of busyness flexing that goes on, I think a lot of us do from time to time realize that something is wrong here. We have moments where we mutter to ourselves, why is, why is life like this? How did I get in this situation? Will I ever get my life under control? It can feel like um, trying to pack a load of stuff into an overfilled suitcase. You roll up all the socks and stuff them into the shoes. You press everything down tight. You sit on the lid. You try to do up the zip, but as hard as you try, it just won't work. It feels like at any moment, all the busyness is just going to explode open all over your room. This constant battle for control of busy life is the reality for many of us. And as a disclaimer to this whole message, I just want to say that being busy is good. Being busy is good. Like God made us to work and work hard. We should be productive. That is a good thing. The problem is when we take a good thing and turn it into a God thing. We take a good thing and turn it into a God thing, an idol. It's a problem when we come to worship at the altar of productivity. It's a problem when we present our bodies as a sacrifice to the gods of busyness. It's a problem. This way of thinking prioritizes productivity over everything else. We medicate our stress levels by doing, doing, doing. We go to our daily accomplishments to build our self-worth and self-esteem. We 
flee to our to-do list when we need to feel secure, when we're feeling vulnerable. Our jobs, our tasks, they're often the first thing that we think about in the morning and the last thing we think about when we go to bed at night. You may say, well, that's just me. I'm a doer. Maybe you're even proud of how busy you are. No. Busyness can be good, but worshipping at the altar of productivity is never okay. Giving your life as a sacrifice to busyness is never okay. And that's what we see in Martha in this story. Uh, Martha. Uh, Let's start off in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Jesus, along with his followers, they are continuing their journey to Jerusalem, Jesus' journey to the cross. And this dusty path, it leads straight to the village of Martha and her sister Mary. And our first impression of Martha is really, really positive. She's clearly servant-hearted. From what we've read in Luke's Gospel so far, we know that Jesus is walking with at least 72 other tired, hungry disciples. And bearing in mind the importance of hospitality in Middle Eastern culture, it's really quite likely that Martha is feeding and finding accommodation for all 72 of these people. Um, So she could be rushing around the neighborhood, knocking on doors, asking if anyone's got any spare food in their stores, asking if anyone's got a room to spare. She is going all out to serve these people. She's definitely servant-hearted. And she's Jesus-focused. So despite her probably having to look after many, many people, verse 38, what does it say there if you've got your Bibles open? She opened her home to him. That doesn't mean she's leaving everyone else outside to fend for themselves. It just means in her service, she is focused on Jesus. It's beautiful. It's really, really good so far. The purpose of this story isn't to discourage people who have a servant heart. If you love opening your home, if you love getting people together, if you love um, serving in this way, great. If you're Jesus-focused in that service, that's even better. You're showing kindness in the name of Jesus. You're asking him for help and strength day by day. You're giving him the glory at the end of it. This is really good. Keep going. But now the story takes a turn. Because it comes apparent that Martha is turning a good thing into a God thing. There are three clues in the passage that reveal this, and uh, each one flows from the other. Firstly, too many things. Verse 40 says this, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. That translation gives the wrong impression. It kind of gives the idea that what Martha was doing was necessary, but a better translation, other versions, capture the meaning uh, like this. Martha was distracted with much serving. There's no mention of what is necessary. It's just much serving. And that fits with what Jesus says to her later, actually. Few things are needed. In other words, 
Martha is just going way over the top. She's going way beyond what is needed, way beyond what is necessary. It's like she's going all out to make this 12-course taster menu, but Jesus says sandwiches would have been fine. This is the first clue that a good thing has become a God thing. Too many things. If you're busy with too many things, if you're going way beyond what is necessary, busyness might be your idol. And here's the second clue that Martha's turn, turning a good thing into a God thing. Too much worry. So Martha is rushing around, going over the top with her service, and she realizes that her sister isn't pulling her weight. And maybe you recognize this feeling. She's out of breath. There are a million and one things rushing through her mind, and her sister isn't helping. The frustration, the upset, the anger, it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until she sees red and she can't help calling out, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you are worried and upset about many things. Martha's worried about many things, and she's upset with her sister. She did start off with this servant heart and this Jesus-focused, but her attitude's changed. Her serving, well, she's still serving, but now her service has a different sort of fuel. She's now got a heart full of worry, and she's now focused on herself, how she's been wronged, how her sister has let her down, how she's doing all the work. Do you see yourself in this? Serving, but with the wrong heart. We need to make sure that our serving has the right fuel. Are you focused on serving Jesus? Or are you serving just to get that worried, anxious feeling to subside for a while? If it's the second option, then busyness might be your idol. And the final clue that Martha is turning a good thing into a God thing, too far from Jesus. I think there's one word in verse 40 that we should pay special attention to. This one word sums up Martha's problem perfectly, distracted. The savior of the world is in her home, God in the flesh, in her living room. He's teaching, speaking words of life and hope and freedom. And Martha isn't in the room. Martha isn't there. Her serving is taking her away from Jesus. She's so far away from him that he, she even begins to doubt her, the Savior's love for her. Lord, don't you care? She is so far away. What a tragedy. Poor Martha. Too many things, too much worry, too far from Jesus. It's clear that busyness is her idol. She's worshipping productivity. And as disciples, we have to flee this at all costs. We have to. Again, being busy... And serving well can be a good thing. 
But worshipping productivity is the problem. It always leads us away from Jesus and towards anxiety. There are going to be times in your life where you can't be as productive as you want to be. You might fall ill or you might have a disability. There are going to be times of transition in your life. Um, You might be looking for work, getting used to retirement or going on maternity leave. In those circumstances, busyness will be a terrible, terrible, oppressive God. It will give you no comfort whatsoever. It will just take and take and take, leaving you feeling completely inadequate and broken. It will lead you away from Jesus and towards anxiety. Disciples of Jesus don't worship busyness. Let Martha be a cautionary figure for all of us. But now let's turn to Mary. While all this hectic uh, craziness is going on behind the scenes, what is Mary doing? Verse 39. She, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She's sitting and listening. Can you imagine what the other disciples might have thought of Mary in this scenario? I'm pretty sure there would have been some raised eyebrows, actually. Think about it. Again, the saviour of the world in her home, God in the flesh, in her living room, and she's not doing anything for him? That seems a bit odd. She's not making sure her home is completely spotlessly clean. She's not getting any food ready for him. A few raised eyebrows, I think. And she's really crossing a significant cultural barrier here. In that time and that place, the typical rabbi, the typical teacher, would never want a woman as one of his students. Of course, Jesus doesn't care about that at all. Um, Jesus' uh, female disciples were the ones who financed his mission. They were the ones who stuck by uh, by him on the cross. They were the ones who saw him raised to life first. That doesn't matter to Jesus. But for everyone else present in Martha's house... Mary, particularly as a woman, was doing something really, really weird. She's sitting at the Lord's feet. This is the posture of a student. She's in total submission to her Lord, and she's listening to him. His every word is precious to her. She doesn't want a single word to fall to the floor. She doesn't want to miss a single one, so she leans in eagerly without distraction. It's quite the contrast, isn't it, to her sister's approach. As we've seen, Martha, she isn't happy, she complains to Jesus, but what is Jesus' verdict on the approach that Mary has taken? Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Being the perfect host might have seemed like it was necessary. Serving the perfect meal seemed appropriate. It seemed needed, but they weren't. Simple hospitality would have done just fine because only one thing was necessary in this scenario. That's what Mary understood. That's what Martha missed. A more formal translation of um, verse 42 would say, Mary has chosen the better portion. Mary has chosen the better 
portion. Portion means a serving of a meal. So it's really powerfully ironic here. Martha chasing around, preparing this 12-course taster menu. But in her living room, Jesus was serving up spiritual food, grace, compassion, mercy, peace, love. That's what Mary is choosing. Listening to Jesus is a feast. And it's a meal that won't be taken away from her. We know that some meals last longer than others. A couple of slices of marmot on toast in the morning might keep me going till about 11 a.m., but then my stomach starts rumbling. Um, but then a full like roast dinner with all the carby sides, that's me done for the day. The meal that Jesus offers lasts all through eternity. It will never be taken away, ever. So by sitting and listening to Jesus, Mary clearly made the best choice. So for you, are you listening? You can picture it spread out here on the stage if you like. Jesus has prepared a vast feast of love, peace, mercy, compassion, grace. His word is a crashing waterfall of blessing. When he speaks, death turns into life. When he speaks, our fears evaporate and joy shines through, breaks through the tears. So why be satisfied with crumbs? Jesus says, come, sit down and eat with me. Listen to him. These are the words of a man on the way to the cross, a man who's going there to pay the price that our sins deserve. So his message is forgiveness for the worst failure and for the weakest saint. His message is good news to the poor, freedom for the captive, sight for the blind, and the Lord's favor forever. He reveals God in all his love. Life is so busy. It's so loud. We have so many priorities and demands on our time. But each one of us here has the option, has the choice of sitting and listening to Jesus. Being here, hearing the Bible preached is such a good start. Organizing to um, read the Bible with a friend, read a book of the Bible with a friend, that's a really good start. Going to a small and local group on a Thursday night, that's a really good start. But sitting and listening like Mary actually goes further than that. It describes an attitude and a posture of heart and life. We're not here this morning just to grab a quick bite before we go on to the next thing. Let's sit and take it in. Let's dwell on what Jesus is saying to us. Sitting and listening means submitting. It means I'm going to hear and then I'm going to do. I'm going to do what Jesus says and I'm going to ask for his help. This has to be our priority. It just has to be. This is the one thing that's necessary it might mean changing your routine so that you get to come to church every week rather than just occasionally. It might mean sacrificing a restful evening so that you can get to your small group. It might mean any number of things. I, I don't know your life, but I do know that choosing the better portion, choosing to sit and listen to Jesus will always, always be worth it. That is the one thing that is necessary. I love this story, in case you can't tell. 
I love it. It's so simple. It's so challenging. It's so helpful. And I just want to wrap it up with two concluding applications. First, listening to Jesus is more important than serving him. Remember that. Listening to Jesus is more important than serving him. It's not a sermon to get you to stop serving. Um, But this might be an opportunity, a good opportunity, to reassess your priorities. If you're serving in the week at church, but you don't always get to make it on a Sunday, that sounds a bit Martha-y to me. If there are people that serve in kids' groups on a Sunday morning, but they don't uh, come in the evening, or they don't listen online uh, to the sermon catching up, something's got to change there. Listening to Jesus is more important than serving him. And the second and final application, Jesus has more to offer us. Let me rephrase that. Jesus has more to offer you than you have to offer him. It's probably a really clever way to sum that up. But it's just a fact. It's just true. Like, you can offer Jesus some stuff. You can serve him in some ways, and he'll really appreciate it. You can give your life as a sacrifice in, in some ways. But, but he died on a cross for you. He took hell for you. He loves you so much, and he wants to give you so much. Sit and listen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for everything that you've prepared for us. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your love, your peace. Father, please give us your spirit so that we would have the strength and the motivation day by day to keep coming and keep listening and keep sitting at Jesus' feet. Please help us to make this our number one priority. And even if we've never done that before, Father, I pray that we do that for the first time today. That we'd listen to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's.